We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Before we start today, just wanted to apologize for the issue with the audio quality on yesterday's episode. Unfortunately, it looks like it was something with the recording that we did Monday evening, so it persists in this episode. Again, we apologize for that, and we'll get it cleaned up before we record again this week. All right, enjoy the episode. Hopefully you can with the issue. We're reviewing our FFPC best ball tournament team on Roto Viz Radio. What's up, Roto Viz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We are two of the owners at Rotoviz, and we are currently drafting in an FFPC best ball tournament draft. This is of the slow variety. So Curtis and I, the last couple of days, have been bouncing thoughts back and forth off of each other as we navigate this draft. We will be talking about my wide receiver and tight end projections later in the week. Wanted to switch things up here, especially as I believe we are on the clock, Curtis. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. We're on the clock, baby. And I, I this is a cool team. We've got some exposure to players on, on this particular squad that I don't have as much of in this tournament. So this is going to be one that I'm constantly watching um, all season. So it'll be fun to, to make this pick at 9-5. Uh, while we're chatting here, kind of want to reverse engineer what we should do at the nine five by looking at what we could assume to happen yep. and the rounds to follow. Um, but as we get into reviewing this team, let's talk about one of the early round anchors with the FFPC stat attack. And I'm talking about, I mean, this little juicy metal riff actually, you know, person, I think it's, uh, you know, it's, it's the, the musification of this player, George Kittle, man, George Kittle. Uh, th- this is a team built around the idea that he continues to do what he's been doing uh, for five straight seasons now. It's easy to kind of forget how, I, I mean, he's kind of maybe just been a hair under elite except for one season, but man, he's been so much more consistent than I think he's given credit for Dave. Since 2018, 
in five consecutive seasons, George Kittle has been the tight end three in PPR per game. Five straight seasons. Yeah, that's absurd. Five straight seasons. It's crazy. I mean, so, you know, you get into the year in counting stats and you, know, you missed half the season in 2020 and he's missed a couple games, um, you know, each year in 2019 and 2021. He's driven down an ADP to tight end five this season. You know, a lot of that due to people thinking that, okay, Kyle Pitts is going to take a step forward. We have the Mark Andrews explosion that actually, uh, the material portion of, of his alpha production occurred without Lamar Jackson. Um, so that's interesting. We have to kind of adjust for that. Um, and Darren Waller being healthy, you know, so that, you know, there are other names that make sense to be in front of them. I'm not saying that those, those tight ends couldn't ultimately be the guys that break Kittle's tight end three uh, per game streak in 2022. But it's not as if Kittle's had, the rosiest of situations in any of those prior seasons either. You know, I know that, you know, presumably there are more mouths to feed, you know, than ever in, in San Francisco after Debo's, you know, breakout last season and Ayuk looking like maybe he's not washed after all. And, and we've got the quarterback change, but I mean, Lance could come in and, and gel better with Kittle than any of the other guys. I mean, Kittle could come in and get 10 targets a game. Um, yeah, it's going to be a lower volume passing offense, but Kittle's one of the best yak attack guys at the position in the entire NFL. I mean, he's one of the only tight ends that can run away from you. Um, and so, you know, I, I just wanted to, to tip the cap to, the, to that consistency, uh, that consistent excellence um, that George Kittle has, has brought to the table. And we hope that he'll bring it to our team in the FFPC best ball tournament. You can enter today at myffpc.com for 125 bucks, chase the $200,000 grand prize and try to get your own trophy and fat wad of cash uh, for your finish there. Um, Dave, anything to add about Kittle's uh, production there before we review the team? I will just say that Kittle has been one of those players that continues to just do what he does regardless of what people want to think, regardless of what people think coming off of past seasons. Range of Outcomes Tool likes him. Looks good enough in my projections. I would recommend that you draft George Kittle this year. Okay, so let's run down. Let's run down where we're at, man. We're on the clock at nine five. How do we get here? Okay, so uh, in the first round, uh, we we had the one five. We took Jamar Chase. We followed that up, uh, and, and it was that's pretty standard. I mean, really, the only player we considered other than Chase would have been Kelsey at one six. Um, just adding a couple opportunity cost notes here for each round. Uh, Tyree Kill at two eight coming back. Um, we'd opted to take Hill over any of the the running backs that are typically available in the end of the second round, including Alvin Kamara, Javante Williams, Saquon Barkley. Um, just really felt like starting hot with those, you know, potentially elite wide receivers was going to be super key for this team. And then the draft really took its turn in the third round at three five. Um, it, it was a weird run that occurred between two eight and three five. So we see AJ Brown and Mike Evans go at the corner, but then we don't see something you will usually see is T Higgins going right in that range too. Yep. Of course, we already started with Chase, and so we what happens at three two is James Connor, then Darren Waller, and then Leonard Fournette. So we get to three five, and Higgins and Kittle are both sitting there. Keenan Allen's also a player that we discussed just, um, you know, we're talking about Kittle's consistency, talking about Allen's consistency. 
we're just trying not to whiff on that third round pick. But then when it came down to it, it's like, all right, you know, we already drafted Chase. You know, if we take Higgins, yes, it's exciting to have a couple pieces of that Bengals offense, but it puts immense pressure on us to reach around early for Joe Burrow in that scenario. And then also, you know, selecting Higgins in the third, you know, while it wouldn't be impossible for both him and Chase to finish as top 12 wide receivers, you know, we drafted Chase at one five because we think he could finish as the wide receiver one. And if he does that, you know, Higgins probably ends up overdrafted in that range a little bit. Um, so we took Kittle through our range of outcomes tool actually has as the tight end one, both in medium and high end range of outcomes this year. And, and we already talked about the consistency. I, I just want to spend a few more minutes here on Kittle because when you look at the ADP distribution of the other tight ends who are commonly considered, you know, elite or on the, on the doorstep of, of elite, you know, Kelsey's going in, in the mid first his ADP is 5.1 over the last two weeks uh, at FFPC. You can check out all of this on rotaviz.com and our FFPC ADP and exposure report tools. Mark Andrews is also a first round tight end, you know, ADP at 10.2. Kyle Pitts. Early to mid second, seven dollar twenty six point one going at that two three turn. Kittle's available in the mid third, and I think, you know, Kelsey is the heavy in house favorite to be the tight end one because you know he has the static situation there. Mahomes is back, you know, the other principal target getter and Tyree Kill leaves, and we don't know really who is going to step up. So not only can we expect Kelsey to maybe continue doing what he's done in the past, but even if he were to take a little step back in terms of efficiency this year, finally, as he continues to age, that would likely be covered up with, with the volume. So that, that's fair. But Kittle, Waller, Pitts, Andrews, I don't think, I mean, it's hard to be, have much conviction over who's actually going to be the tight end two. So to get, you know, a two and a half round discount versus what you're getting in Mark Andrews at the end of the first round now, I mean, I was thrilled to get Kittle there. You know, I know we were a little bit back and forth on whether that was the right call between him and Allen, but yep. in the days that have passed since this pick, it's actually made me want to target Kittle even more <laughs> across other formats. So, you know, this is tight end premium, of course, so you got to take that into consideration. Dave, I mean, through those first three rounds, you know, it was Kittle the pivotal pick for you as well? Do you wish we had maybe taken Higgins or Allen uh, or are you where I'm at now after having some time to think about it? It definitely would have been very fun to take Higgins. Um, but one of the things that I liked here and why I'm glad that we went Kittle is as the rosters continued to, to develop out after that, I feel like it's been conducive to us creating this really interesting structure to this team. I also think it helps to have in tight end premium, that player like Kittle out of the way. And I'm also uh, a big fan of being able to get Kittle in that spot who could approximate the production of the other players that you mentioned. So I'm actually pretty pumped up about that. And um, like you, I have found myself after making this pick more inclined yeah. to go after Kittle. I yeah. also happened to be doing San Francisco's projection that day as well. Um, oh which, which helped out as well. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I liked that start. And I think that Kittle in this contest is a really nice piece to get on a team. Yeah. I mean, Kittle famously had, I, I, I believe it was a 50 point week in tight end premium. Um, and, and so, you know, we've got just three absolute 
stars capable of throwing that tournament winning haymaker uh, in any given week, which is going to be really fun. Um, after the Kittle pick, you know, we've started two wide receivers and a tight end. Um, you know, probably thought we would have started that way or perhaps with with three wide receivers, um, given the draft slot that we we selected or that we were given. We started talking about Travis Etienne as a potential target in the fourth round. It's a long way to go. And he's a player that uh, is a fast riser. You know, right now, um, he's actually commonly going in the third now. Um, but this wasn't the case about a week ago when we were in that part of the draft. And so ETN goes about four picks before us. We then said, all right, well, maybe we'll take Brees Hall. Well, Brees Hall goes the pick before. So, so we get to four, eight, you know, Terry McLaurin has gone. DJ Moore's gone. The two running backs we had talked about uh, as potential targets there are gone. And so we're, we're kind of in a little bit of a no man's land. Um, you know, had we not already selected Kittle, this is an area where maybe we would have said, ah, let's go half a round early on somebody like TJ Hawkinson. Um, we were hoping to target Marquise Brown in the fifth, more on that in a few minutes. But that was really the only other receiver that we were, you know, super hot on in this area. So we decided to take a swing on one of the younger uh, running backs coming off of injury. And it was actually not JK Dobbins. We went Cam Akers and Cam Akers is not a player that Dave or I have much exposure to. And we kind of going a little bit contrarian to our own player targets after that Kittle selection. You know, I think, you know, the, the, the thought with drafting Akers is that, you know, he came back too early in 2021 over the course of the off season, he heals up. And even if he doesn't turn to return to elite efficiency, the fact that the, the Rams will, you know, obviously be one of the in-house favorites to score the most touchdowns in the NFL again next year, you know, touchdowns are quirky and it could easily swing to a high volume rushing touchdown situation instead of a high volume passing touchdown situation. And, and that's what you're really trying to catch with a guy like Akers. Um, I still don't love the pick a couple of days later here, but we were also kind of like stuck there a little bit. You know, the other two backs that we could have considered would have been David Montgomery, who went the pick after and JK Dobbins, two picks after with Dobbins, you're contending with, you know, his injury being more recent and Lamar Jackson. Um, and with Montgomery, you know, we have a regime change there in Chicago. So with Akers, we just felt like that was the most stable situ situation. And he also had the best shot of maybe, you know, becoming a new bell cow this year. Yeah. It, so sometimes I, I find, especially when I'm in these drafts in best ball, um, there's not going to be that selection where I say, all right, like this is 100% the absolute best pick Right now, I'm super excited about this player. It's about finding a way to make them work within your roster. So what I liked about this spot here was I think that this is, of the running backs that were available, one that you could make a very strong argument for having the most upside. And then we could take the approach where later on we layer some other running backs that have somewhat of a pretty decent floor with some more upside, then close out that wide receiver core later. We already have the strong tight end. So let's kind of focus on that structure, get that upside running back. And it felt like Akers was the player that kind of fit that bill at that time. 
He did. I think uh, I still kind of wish we had just reached on Marquise Brown <laughs> because <laughs> uh, I, I think it would, it, but, but I'm just, I'm really probably not going to have a ton of, of cam makers. Right. And uh, so I, I like having, I like having a little here. And, and I think what we've done in the rounds that have followed um, has made me feel a little bit better about that. So we, you know, we make the acres pick at four, eight. We're hoping that Hollywood Brown will get back to us at five, five. He goes five, four. <laughs> so, so we're then, you know, th- then we're, you know, back in that same situation. And, and I can't say enough about the level of competition in, in some of these FFPC contests. So many of the, these players, I mean, they're just the sharpest of the sharp. Um, and this particular draft that we, we drew, there are six other um, former FFPC uh, main event league winners. So this is a really stacked draft. And so yep. we've just found every round that those values are not really dropping to us the way they might in, in one that was more uh, kind in the random sampling of, of managers. Um, so at 5-5, five, five, you know, by ADP, kind of the clear guy, you know, would have been DK Metcalf. Uh, so he was on our, our list. He was in our queue. We ended up taking maybe the 2022 version of, of DK Metcalf uh, on Russell Wilson's new team in Cortland Sutton. Um, really just thinking that, you know, hey, if we think these players probably have similar floors, assuming health, Sutton probably has the higher ceiling and what, you know, at least has a chance to be a more exciting offense in Denver and, you know, clearly tied to the, to the better quarterback there. Uh, it, how are you feeling about this one a couple of days out now, Dave? And are there any other players besides Metcalf that you wish we had considered there? Uh, yeah, hmm, hmm, this is a tough one. Um, I still think I'm feeling pretty good about it. Although, I mean, I think that you can make a case. You kind of reach a point, and I know this is such like a wishy-washy blanket answer. But I, I kind of reach a point where a lot of these guys feel kind of interchangeable. And with the amount of best ball that I'm yeah. playing, it's worth just getting these different constructions. Um, so there's something to me. I'm going to kind of maybe even waver off of the answer. But just having a construction at that point with Tyreek Hill, Cortland Sutton, Jamar Chase at wide receiver, you add in Cam Akers, um, you add in George Kittle, and just seems like an interesting construction one that I don't have that much exposure to. So I don't hate it. And I do think that, um, you know, there's still some upside there for sudden, like you said, you know, kind of doing a uh, 2022 version of DK Metcalf. So I don't hate it. Uh, although I'm not going to say I'm in love with that pick either. But when I look at, you know, some of the alternatives, yeah. I'm not sure that they really, they might feel like they change things a whole lot, but in reality, they probably don't. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, really, the only other thing to to do there would have been considering you're maybe pulling the trigger early on somebody like Lamar if you really want to go unique and and kind of have that uh, you know potential overall QB one there. It wouldn't have made sense for us to take Mahomes without an early chief. And you know, in round six, we're thinking, okay, let's come back, let's get our wide receiver four. Our queue was full of Rashad Bateman, Juju Smith Schuster, and Brandon Cooks. They are three of the four picks uh, before <laughs> our draft selection. Again, yeah. um, nothing getting by this crew. You know, there were a couple other wide receivers in this range that we did at least talk about briefly. You know, Darn, Darnell Mooney was also in the queue there. Yep. 
um, as was uh, Amari Cooper actually was not in the queue, but we talked about him briefly. And this was right around the time that the 24th, uh, the 24th um, accuser uh, had been uh, revealed and the additional information around the Deshaun Watson case kind of coming to light. So we didn't really feel great about taking Amari there with even more uncertainty in Cleveland now. Dave and I, I don't know if Dave has a lot of Mooney. I have tons of Mooney um, and, and was looking to just kind of keep this team a little bit different since we've already gone down that path. Right. So we, we opted for Clyde Edwards-Elair um, actually at the 6-8 here. You know, the idea being, you know, we already talked about, you know, Kelsey being the in-house favorite to, to lead the team and in, in, in targets just in a dominant fashion. Lots of room for the team to, to maybe change up the offense a little bit. And, you know, the AFC West just continues to get better as well. I mean, I think the Chiefs are going to have to play to, to, to keep up in games. You know, they did bring over Ronald Jones to kind of take on the, the pounder role. I'm not so sure that the Chiefs are going to be in ISIT mode a ton this year. I mean, Russell Wilson's joined the division. Devontae Adams has joined the division. Um, the Chargers continue to get better and actually improve their defense as well. So, you know, I, I like the idea that maybe Edwards is a post post type sleeper breakout uh, with more receiving work. And that's kind of the rationale behind this pick. Um, Dave, I know neither of us is huge on CEH. So how are you feeling about this one right now? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I feel okay. Um, and the reason why you can feel okay about this uh, well, I don't have that much CEH, but the reason I do want to have him on some teams, the Chiefs still should be one of the better teams in the league. I think Sons, Tyreek Hill, they're still a pretty good offense. Um, you can tell some compelling stories about why Edwards Alaire has to be more involved this year. 
I think you very easily see him get to a target share of 8% should get him about three receiving touchdowns. But I also think that just because Ronald Jones is there, it doesn't mean that he seeds that rushing share um, you know, entirely. I still think that you could see him in that 30% range, which if the Chiefs are as good as I expect them to be, still approximate maybe four or five rushing touchdowns for Edwards Alaire. On top of that, I would almost guarantee that there's at least two or three weeks where he's going to be a fairly exciting option when all is said and done on a best ball team. So I put all yeah. of that together and it's one of those picks that makes more sense. I think after we made this pick in the next, I kind of said, you know, we'll, we'll handle some of these situations away from wide receiver. And I'm feeling good about our prospects is still putting together a solid wide receiver core. So we missed on Mooney, some of the other names that you mentioned, but now we're at the point where we really have a unique construction, at least in, perspective of my portfolio probably yours as well so i can live with oh, it for sure yeah for sure I, I i don't have hardly any cam makers or ceh let alone on the same squad uh so yeah that that'll be interesting um i think the the sad thing about you know this this team doing well if it didn't win would also probably mean that right <laughs> my huge exposures <laughs> were not doing well so um, yep. I mean, there's, there's some overlap obviously with the, with the chase and, and Tyreek, uh, plays there. And I'm sure we'll find lots of similarity in, in the later rounds as well. So we come back in the seventh round, we complete the first phase of a Cincinnati Bengals stack, adding Joe Burrow, uh, to Jamar chase coming back into round eight. We select a player who we talked about the other day, uh, as we were going through Dave's running back projections in the initial run, Kareem hunt coming in at RB 20 in that exercise. Happy to add him as our RB3 here. Um, you know, still maybe a non-zero chance that, you know, he actually even would switch teams and potentially, you know, get even more volume. But, you know, he's shown that being the 1B to Chubbs 1A, Nick Chubbs 1A, uh, is still, you know, a, a lucrative fantasy situation. So we're, we're very balanced now heading into the ninth round. You know, eight picks in. We've got one quarterback, one tight end, and we're we're three deep both at running back and receiver. And now we're on the clock. So to kind of consider where we ought to go, Dave, here in the ninth round, I wanted to look maybe at rounds nine through twelve. Yep. Talk about the concentration of positions and then figure out what does our team need to look like four rounds from now. Um, and and then base this pick on that. Because we've got we've got a core. But, you know, we probably want to have at least two wide receivers in the next four rounds, if not three, um, potentially consider our QB two. Yep. I don't think we need to grab our tight end two this early, having gone Kittle. Yep. But if a value were to emerge, you know, we could consider it. Right. So, yeah, the, the, one, the, the thing that I like to do in these types of exercises is go in to our FFPC uh, ADP and exposures tool, and you can look at ADP as a draft grid over any time frame that you set. So I've got it dialed up here for the last two weeks, and we can see that the average pick uh, at nine five is Derek Carr, um, and some of the other players that typically go in this range are Christian Kirk, Tyler Lockett, Chase Edmonds, Russell Gage, Mike Gesicki, Kadarius Tony. That's what the available players to us in the ninth round typically look like and I'm not seeing any players that typically go in this the eighth um, available to us here at wide receiver um, however at running back 
Um, James Cook has been gaining some steam, uh, is actually going to the 801 over the last two weeks, and he's still available here at 9.5. Not that we want to look at running back, but I just thought that I would point it out uh, because it's interesting. So uh, I guess if we want to start with, you know, receiver in this round, um, our options really are looking at, you know, Lockett, Engage, and Tony by ADP. And none of those guys necessarily stick out to me. I think there's stories I could tell myself on all, all three of them. Does anyone stick out or do you want to talk about those other rounds before we come back? I don't think as I'm looking at uh, the wide receivers, there is anybody that really stands out as that differentiated from the other players. I think I know where I would like to go with this pick, but why don't we continue going through the exercise and then we'll see if we've kind of both lined up in the same place after we make our way through that, that full pass. Okay. Um, so in the 10th round over the last two weeks, you know, we've got Chase Claypool, Kirk Cousins, Rojo and Damian Pierce. Uh, neither player really makes sense probably for this team. Um, some potential breakout tight ends that, you know, if we wanted to go early on tight end two and then definitely stop at two, prob- uh, or I guess most probably start stop at two um, with the idea that Kittle would make it into our starting lineup as a flex often. Yep. Um, you know, that's an option. And uh, two of the guys that I have a little exposure to in, in the 10th round are Cole Komet and Albert Okoibunum. Um, Alan Lazard is a player that you and I have talked a, a good bit about, and I you know, highly exposed to, I would be interested in him in the 10th um, or potentially even in the ninth, if we had to reach uh, Melvin Gordon goes in the 10th over the last two weeks. He's still available here. Chris Olave, Robert Woods and Garrett Wilson. So it's a very balanced 10th round. Only one quarterback. Uh, you do start to get into that next layer of tight ends. And so I think as we look into rounds 11 and 12, the theme really becomes that if we don't select the tight end in one of these next two rounds, probably, we might as well just wait till the end of the draft because we're going to get through really almost all of those TE2s. Round 11, Dave, um, this is where that next layer of quarterbacks comes in. We see Justin Fields, Tua, and uh, Deshaun Watson all going there. I will note that Deshaun Watson's sliding really fast. Um, and if I were to update the skin in a week, he's probably looking more like a, a 13th or 14th round pick. He's really sliding lately. Um, we have Tyler Boyd, um, who would be interesting uh, to deepen our Bengal stack there. Michael Gallup and Christian Watson, Noah Fant. Uh, And then in the 12th round, four tight ends in the mix there. Gerald Everett, David Njoku, Hunter Henry, Tyler Higby. Um, Blair just wrote a focus article on Isaiah Spiller. Uh, He's available there in the 12th uh, 12th round, as is our boy, Daryl Henderson. Um, (laughs) Though we don't necessarily want to back up uh, Cam Akers on this squad. So that kind of gives you a picture of the next four rounds. It really is balanced in terms of the, you know, the positional focus, I guess, um, in this, in this range, it really makes a lot of sense because teams are starting to kind of patch in those holes that have developed as they've gone in on a position or two, um, earlier in the draft, Dave. Yes, for sure. So when I'm looking at this, as we start talking about the tight ends, um, and with the way that this league is structured with the tight end premium, I am open here to considering getting that strong tight end two, maybe capping things there. Uh, as a result of spending some time with the roster construction explorer, I actually, actually talked about this on a solo pod 
um, that I did this year, and I think we might have talked about on the shows at some point, um, things do point towards wanting to actually have a pretty solid backup quarterback, even if you do have a quarterback at Joe Burrow's level. I see Aaron Rodgers, uh, Kirk Cousins, and did we say that Derek Carr is still available? Uh, no, Carr is gone. Um, no, he's he's just the pick at our. He's uh, the yeah. average pick at nine oh five. He's just no longer there. Right. So I see those two quarterbacks personally. I would like to get one of them on there, as I think that that will help to juice our win rate to some degree. I wouldn't be opposed to going with the quarterback here coming back with whichever tight end seems like they have the most upside, then we would definitely have to turn our attention towards wide receiver with the two picks after that. But I don't think that what we're giving up in terms of opportunity cost with wide receiver there is as great as it might be with what we're giving up. If we forego quarterback and tight end. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. It, and so what we're finding by having this conversation is, is this going to be a two or three quarterback team? Yeah, uh, probably because if if we're gonna take a Rogers or a Cousins here, then then there's really no point in in you know worrying about if we're gonna have to you know reach on Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields a couple of rounds from now, right? Um, but you would probably you know with those guys, you know, I think either one of them could take that exciting kind of Burrow esque leap in year two um, that we're now we've now had to pay a premium for, so. You know, I would be fine with somebody like Cousins. I know um, Minnesota is going to be a more pass-focused offense this season. I'd be looking to maybe get somebody like KJ Osborne, oh, um, yeah, cheaper yep. later in the draft. I think would be, you know, an option. You know, he could he could do Van Jefferson type things. I think in the context of this Ram style offense. Um, initially, I was thinking of these rounds maybe trying to stack Justin Fields and Cole Komet um, within these four That's rounds too. Yeah. And then, and then maybe just take one, basically take one at each position uh, over these next four rounds. We could, you know, we could go chase Edmonds here uh, at, at running back in the ninth round, come back in the 10th with Cole Komet in the 11th, we would need to take fields. And then in the 12th, you know, we'd be looking at maybe Jamison Williams, uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling, uh, maybe even a Jarvis Landry or Jacoby Myers. I think the big player that I would want to pick your brain on that maybe we would just want to reach and have a potential breakout player at wide receiver four would be Alan Lazard. Because when you look at Tyler Lockett, Russell Gage, and Kadarius Tony, you know, Lockett, you know, even if he is the Seattle wide receiver one, what is that really going to be worth? you know, when Geno Smith's your quarterback and, and Russell Gage as the eventual wide receiver three in Tampa, I think he will have some big games, but yep. he's not Antonio Brown. Yep. I mean, I, I, I don't think he would probably be a wasted pick, but I don't see him being able to, you know, finish as a top 18 wide receiver and, and, you know, ditto with Kadarius Tony. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has already said that, you know, he's looking forward to Alan Lazard getting his chance as a wide receiver one after doing all the dirty work the last couple of years. So, I mean, he might not be able to do, he might not be capable of, of functioning in that way, but someone is going to be the Packers wide receiver one. Now, and your projections that you put together, 
that didn't end up ultimately being all that valuable. Uh, we didn't see any Green Bay wide receivers inside the top 36, actually, at the position. It's yep. just hard for me to fathom that Aaron Rodgers wouldn't have a top 36 wide receiver, though. Um, and right. It doesn't mean it couldn't happen, but so, so to me, that's like the one player that I see on the board where I'm just like, you know, man, this might be an opportunity to get a potential league winner there, but I could also end up with just, you know, a pocket full of, of dust <laughs> from all my Lazard shares. So I, I don't right. want to be, I don't want to be too heavy here. Well, I think that this is what happens when you think about a player like Lazard inside an offense like Green Bay. Um, you can't project him in a, what's supposed to be like realistic scenario, even Although I, I will say, like, even if you're doing baseline projections, they're still kind of like a best case scenario in a way in that you're not as you don't know all of these terrible things that could happen. So you can't bake them in. Um, but you're still not going to put Lazard at like, you know, 10 or 11 touchdowns like a Devonte Adams type of season. So that that lowers him down. You're probably also not going to thrust a player like that into, you know, a 26, 28 percent target share. You don't really know how things are going to play out. So you'd have to put him somewhere in the low 20s. As a result of that, you're not going to have that wide receiver one in Green Bay coming out in a model, you know, of projections built like this that high. I would be drafting him a lot higher than I would project him because of that upside that you're speaking about. So I do find myself taking him a fair amount. And I actually think that uh, it's a good thing that we pointed that out because when I said I did not see much differentiation at the position before. I do think that the amount of upside that Lazard owns is not commensurate with the other players here. He is kind of the standout in that regard. So I would be completely fine if we wanted to build him in here. Also keeping in mind that our wide receiver core at this point isn't as strong as it might be on some teams that I might have. Now I could see some people coming back and saying, well, if it's not as strong as you might normally have, wouldn't you want to get one of these players that might have a little bit more safety, like a Robert Woods perhaps, or I don't know who their example would be, but I would actually rebut and say that with what we're looking to do in a tournament like this, no, we want that player that can have that upside. We're weighting that in higher to our decision than we are the safety, especially at this point in your draft, right? Like I think at this point you're moving over pure floor plays because earlier on in the draft, you're getting guys that have floor and ceiling. I think that conversation has kind of changed now. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, and the other, I guess the other issue I have, if we are finding some agreement that Lazard is the upside player available here and knowing that we've been sniped three times already. Right. I would say we do. This is a, this is a strong, strong room that we're in right now. Mistakes are not played, are not made. Players do not slip. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm the biggest Tyler Lockett fan probably other than Matt Harmon ever uh, in the industry. But, you know, yeah. just just thinking about, you know, just thinking about this collection of wide receivers here that's available, you know, I, I don't really have to. I don't know. I've, I've just become very comfortable with the idea um, or, or per, perhaps the eventual reality that Alan Lazard's probably going to score double digit touchdowns and have at least 900 receiving yards. So, you know, he, he might approximate Cortland Sutton's production. Um, except, you know, we're going to get him at a, you know, five round discount versus what we paid for, for Sutton. So 
I kind of like this. It takes the pressure off of us um, to, to force in, you know, a, a Michael Gallup or yeah. a Rondell Moore that we're not excited about a couple of rounds later. Like I'll actually be excited to click this one in. Um, it sounds like you were open to the idea of that bear stack. Um, but I also think the quarterbacks could slide here a little bit. It would not shock me to see uh, Kirk Cousins still available in the 10th round if we wanted to come back and and call his name. But if he, if he were to go, we could go with Komet and then follow with, with Fields in the 11th. So uh, are, are we good with this plan? Are we going to lock Lazard in here? Yeah, I am. And then there's also a real small outside chance that Rodgers would still be around and we could stack him up. Yeah, that's, that's not going to happen. But I, I don't want to with the conversation. I don't want to extend, extend the show um, too much, but like R- Rogers' brilliance um, is is evident, and so I'm not. I mean, I'm I'm not knocking him, but I mean this this will objectively be the weakest surrounding receiving core that he's ever had. Like at least, you know, at least when when Jordy the year that Jordy got injured and we finally you know, saw Devonte, you know, get that volume forced his way. Yep. Um, you know, he was a former second round pick that had already had, you know, pretty high snap share. I mean, the team got rid of, you know, MVS and, you know, if, if they had known that Adam was, was going to leave, I don't know that that, that probably would have happened. And, and Watson just is not coming to the table at the same you know, college production pedigree that, you know, Adams had at that time when, the, when they had that last transition. So I, I think that green Bay is going to be very happy to run the ball a lot yep. um, and keep games close and use Aaron Jones, use AJ Dillon. I mean, I think Aaron Rodgers could have a weird season where he throws 35 touchdowns, but doesn't even have 4,000 passing yards. So what um, you're saying is you don't think that former first rounder Sammy Watkins is going to come in there and <laughs> turn things yeah. around. Oh man. Yeah. Like I, yeah, I, I, it would be great. I mean, that'd be really funny. Uh, it'd, it'd be great for him if, if that happened, but I, I just, uh, I have interest in Lazard because he would be Rogers primary target. Yeah. And that's the reason for the play. But I actually, I mean, I would way rather have, I would way rather just have naked fields or naked Trevor Lawrence than, than Aaron Rodgers because it's just easier for me to see them adding the rushing value and being part of a, you know, a breakout that requires passing in order for the team to take a step forward. Whereas the Packers have been good for many seasons kind of slowing it down of late and now they'll have, have even more reasons to do it. So um, yeah, we'll see. But that all of that being said, 10th round Rogers is a pretty good discount. So maybe you'll be able to talk me into it. Right. And I, the final thought, this isn't anything uh, like additional to add, but that I think would be a really interesting experiment. I might take some time looking at uh like if you take a low level for Rogers, what you need like that breakout for fields, for example, to look like to be able to like pass him uh, in terms of points per game or something like that, just to see like how plausible of a scenario that is when you actually work out the numbers. I think it'd be great to do with fields uh, Tua and Lawrence because yeah. they all go in that area. Yep. And you know, it's, you know, the, the car Rogers cousins tier is definitely, you know, 
uh, safer in terms of uh, uh, risk, but I'm just, what is their actual upside? It's probably like QB nine or something like that. Right. Um, whereas, you know, Fields, Fields or Lawrence and, you know, in particular, you know, we could be looking at, you know, maybe they could, they could approximate, you know, QB seven, QB six. Could, could they do what Hertz has done? Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, I would love to see what you would come up with, uh, in that experiment. So let, let us know, let the listeners know if you do that. So that's where we're at. We'll come back and, and update, uh, you know, the listening audience. And after we've made a, a few more picks on this squad, but where we're sitting now, we've got Burrow at quarterback, Akers, Edward Zulaire, and Hunt at running back, Sutton, Lazard, Chase, and Tyreek at wide receiver, and George Kittle at tight end. Sounds like a winner to me. Thank you for listening to the RotoViz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.